0: Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is titled, Never Enough, and was based on Matthew 6, 19-25. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. The thesis for this morning's message is that if we chase after the idols of our culture, now let's remember that... Um, Idols are not simply ancient statues that primitive peoples bowed down to, but our culture is filled with idols. Uh, But those idols are much more seductive than many of the ancient idols because they slither into our everyday lives in so many different ways. If we chase after the idols of our culture to find our worth or our validation or to feel loved or to feel noticed or to have status, they will never deliver enough. The idols will always demand from us more and more and more. It'll never be enough because the things of this world can never meet the deepest longings of our souls. They're here today and they can be gone tomorrow. And in eternity, they'll be worthless. And so think about it. If if acceptance is what we're so longing for, I just want to be accepted, which is understood, we'll never get enough attention. To meet that need. If if body image is or you know, if I if I just keep working hard and my body image will will never look good enough and we'll always notice other people who look better than us. And so because of that, we'll feel ugly the rest of our lives. If if it's money, if I can just have money or career or status, we'll envy people who have more. And just when we achieve some level, we'll notice there, oh, now there's more people, I notice, who have more, and it never ends, it's never satiated. Or if it's family, if family, good things can become idols. If, if our family becomes an idol, we use our family to impress our neighbors so that we look good. If it's a substance, it might give us a quick fix, but we'll always need more and more and more to satiate us. And so the challenge is to come home to Jesus, who meets the deepest longings of our souls because God loves us not because we perform, achieve, who our social circle is, our education, our wealth, our status, none of those things. Although God may gift us with those things and call us to steward those things, but, but God loves us just because we're his kids. No matter how much social value we add to the culture or not, Jesus is the lover of our souls. And that can fill us up with deep within a a strength for everyday life, a new identity. We're in the midst of our Habits of the Heart sermon series, and we're exploring some of the American idols that we experience. And today we come to the idol of money. I believe money, wealth, and status is one of the greatest blind spots of our culture. You know, every, every generation kind of looks back at previous generations, don't they? And we look back at some previous generations, and we might say, understandably so, how in the world did a huge percentage actually embrace slavery? How did they actually have theologians writing that that slavery was in the Bible? How did they ever accept or stand by with slavery? I wonder if future generations, and heaven's perspective, might say of our generation in our culture, how did they spend so much money on themselves? how did they keep feeling that they kept needing to have more and more and more and newer and better in a world filled with such needs where, where every day more than 20,000 children die because they didn't have immunizations or, or, or clean drinking water or healthy food, where the gospel is still not known by about a billion people in the world. And Why did they keep chasing after the idol of money when it has caused such wreckage in their culture and in their lives? In the last three years, more people have declared bankruptcy than graduated from college. Absorb that. More people last three years have declared bankruptcy than graduated from college. In one of the most uh, thorough um, surveys of couples who had become divorced, 61% of divorced couples cited financial stress as one of the top two reasons that helped in the unraveling of their marriage. U.S. households right now average $155,622 in total debt. That's grown last year by 6.2%. In other words, we're spiraling with more and more and more debt and credit card debt per person averages $6,272. Do you know what the average credit card interest rate is right now? I looked it up yesterday just to make sure I was fresh with it, 16.72%. How do we ever pay that back? There's a lot of wreckage when we're bowing down to the idol of money. And so let's see what Jesus has to say. Join me in Matthew chapter 6. It's on, in the Blue Bibles on page 960 for those who are in the house. For those of you who are online this morning or watching throughout... The week uh, in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, or cue up your device. And and we're actually going to come and begin at verse 24. We're really going to begin with kind of the punchline, the thesis of what Jesus shares. And then we're going to build backward from there to see how Jesus can help us to protect ourselves from the idolatry to money. So move down to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, often translations, modern translations, will have money there. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a better translation than nothing, but really now, most translations are bringing the word mammon back in. And the reason is, it's, it's more than money that Jesus is really talking about. Let's remember, money... Wealth, privilege, and status are ethically neutral. Money's not good or evil. Privilege is not good or evil. Status isn't good or evil. It all depends how we steward or not that wealth. As a matter of fact, if you're someone who has or is growing into more wealth or privilege or, 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 or status, praise God as long as we're doing it ethically because then we have a chance to steward that for the kingdom, steward that influence, steward that wealth steward that privilege like Jesus did, who had greater privilege and power and authority and stuff than anyone in human history. And he laid it down and stewarded it for the healing and the rescuing and the salvation of our souls and the redeeming of our lives. But, but the word mammon's fascinating because it comes from the Greek word mammone. And it literally was an ancient idol that people would bow down to It was an idol of wealth. Jesus is saying, don't bow down to that idol of wealth. And we go into the temples of money (laughs) far more than we realize in our everyday lives. Because the idol of mammon, the idol of money, seduces us and calls us to bow down to things or stuff or status, to fill the void within us and to feel greater security. Or to chase after happiness. Matter of fact, the wisdom of of Solomon, you know, what, what, 2800, 2900 years ago, Solomon Ecclesiastes chapter 5 writes, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This is meaningless. In his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, um, John John Ortberg shares about the day that changed Loretta's life. L- L- Loretta was traveling in the back seat with her parents. She was a young girl and, and there she saw it for the first time. Oh. She noticed the shrine of the Golden Arches. And she said to her parents, look, Happy Meal. I have to, I have, to have a Happy Meal. Pull over and give me a Happy Meal. I have to have a Happy Meal. So of course, what did Mom and Dad do? All right, we'll pull over. And you know, if I just have a Happy Meal, I'll be happy the rest of my life. And that was the day Loretta had her first Happy Meal and it worked. She was happy the rest of her life. She had a successful career, a a, a perfect marriage, beautiful family, lovely home, and during times, the hard times of life, that Happy Meal gave her hope and strength through those difficult times of life. It was a day that changed her life. Now we're kind of laughing like, Greg, that's a strange story, where are you going with this, right? And the truth is, there are a lot of adults chasing after Happy Meals. We chase after a lot of happy meals where we say, if only I could have that. That's what will make my life complete. That's what will give me hope for another day. That's what will help me feel valued, important. Rather that happy meal is entering into a social circle where we feel like, oh, now I'm part of this circle. That means I'll be viewed differently. Or maybe it's career achievement. If I just achieve this, then I know my colleagues and my neighbor, oh, you, you Oh, you have that career. Oh that's your occupation? Or if it's our education, oh, we have a new education level and it gives us a new circle and we're viewed different ways. Or maybe if I could just get married, then I know my needs would be met and I'd, be, I'd finally be happy or, or a substance or cutting where we just say, I, I just want to forget life. And so those are kind of the happy meals, but the truth is they're never enough, are they? Because the truth is there are a lot of happy people who've achieved those things and there are a lot of miserable people who've achieved those things. There are a lot of miserable people who haven't achieved those things, but there's a lot of very happy and content people who haven't achieved those things. So those might be good pursuits, but as soon as they become idols, we look to our meaning, our purpose, we look for life there, we look for our identity there, and it ends up being, like I mentioned earlier, like a mouthful of gravel. How do we protect ourselves? Now now let's go back up to how Jesus brings us into his his thesis. Move up to verse 19. How we protect ourselves from the idolatry of money. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. No, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. We can probably relate to just these three examples Jesus has given about how quickly treasures of this world can fade. He says, moth, rust, and thieves. We could probably put a thousand other things in there, couldn't we? But he begins with moths. I'll never forget, I was lecturing, it was the fall semester at a seminary on the west coast before uh, moving here. So this is probably 25 years ago. And uh, it was the fall semester, and I pulled out my favorite sweater from the closet. I had purchased it in Vancouver, B.C. um, on an anniversary trip with Carolyn. It it was a beautiful kind of of a Scottish woven, and and I put it on, and I gave, I'm sure, a really good lecture, and the students were engaged. And, And then afterwards, I actually looked at myself in the mirror, and there were like four or five big chew holes in that sweater. You could see the white shirt underneath. I'm like, oh my goodness. I thought they were laughing because they were like, I was engaging with it. Okay? It's like, oh, and then we, when I took it off, there's three, there, there's three or four holes in the back. See, moths chew things, don't they? Or maybe rust. I remember the first time with one of our old vehicles when uh, it didn't pass inspection because of rust. Things rust. Thieves break in. Just last week, I was talking with someone who's had their identity hacked and shut their finances down and their kind of their, their digital pathway in the world and it's, it's wreaking havoc, thieves. We could put a lot of other things there in our culture, couldn't we? Because the investments of this world have the possibility of being stolen or having an economic downturn or spiraling inflation or war, you know, the people of Ukraine right now, a lot of their stuff doesn't mean much to them right now. They just want to live. And I pray that we'll continue to be praying for the people of Ukraine and for many of the soldiers who who don't want to be there in this horrible situation. Or someday we die and it's over. I've never seen, I've never seen a hearse that has a U-Haul in it with someone's stuff pulling it, right? No, we can't take it with us, it's gone. And along the way, the more we bow down to any idol, especially today about the idol of money, it will shape us and it will begin to warp our character and damage our relationships. And we've all known people who the unquenchable thirst for status, wealth, and money wreaked havoc on their lives. Contrast that with eternal treasure, the eternal treasure of faith, of serving, of sacrifice, of generosity, of being Christ's hands and feet and voice in a broken, fractured, troubled world. When we're generous stewards, that's the safest investment we could ever make. Uh, That is the highest rate of return. You know, Jesus gave a rate of return that you could interpret as 490%. Not bad, right? In other words, what Jesus is really saying is, in eternity, our reward, and I think most of our reward will be Jesus will show us. Let me show you the difference that your feeble generosity, your feeble servitude, your feeble sacrifices have really made in the world and for eternity. That's treasure for eternity um, and we also make a difference in our world, but most importantly, the more that we mimic Christ, the more that we follow the footsteps of Jesus, who is the most sacrificially generous person in the history of the world, more the more that we 're shaped into the character of Christ, the more we come alive within us. Because that's when the Imago day that was torn out of us because of sin begins to be restored and we experience more of the joy of Christ no matter what the circumstances, how much stuff or not we have in this life. Because we were created to worship. And if we worship God, the more we worship God, the more satisfied, the more satisfaction there will be deep, deep within us And the more shaped like Christ we will be. And that's something that downturn in the economy or or, uh, moths or rust or war, nothing can ever take away from us. But if we chase after idols, even idols that that look so good, even good things that rather than stewarding them, and we, we will all wrestle with this for the rest of our lives, I do. The difference between stewarding something for God and having it become an idol where it becomes part of our identity. As soon as that happens, there will begin to be an empty longing in our souls. And we'll begin to be shaped by that more and more. Just one kind of tip for us before we finish up with this interesting couple of verses. Jesus talks about the eye, a lamp of the body. One thing for us to be doing, pray before we pay. I know we all struggle with this. Here's why. Because it's easier to buy stuff now than ever before in human history. You know, we used to have to like get in the car or on the bus. We used to have to go to a store. There used to be these things called the mall, okay? And we'd go into those and we'd walk around and we'd shop in. All this time. And then we used to actually like pay money, okay? And when you do that, you see like, ooh, $43. That's like, oh, okay. You know, it's a lot of money, right? Now what happens? We go online, click, 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 boom. We use a credit card, which I understand, especially where there's rewards for that credit card. But what happens? We don't really see how much that really is. It's just a figure. And the other thing is our inboxes. I mean, we don't have to go shopping. Our inboxes, right? You buy something. It's like a long time ago, I looked at one car online twice a week. Do you really think I'm going to buy a car twice a week from your place, right? It just bombards us, doesn't it? It's easier than ever before to buy stuff. Pray before we pay. Just pause. You know, will this reflect that I treasure Jesus? Is this something we need? Is this something wise? Is this a good investment? Great. If not, you know, I I think I could do with one less of that. I don't know if I need quite that updated thing. I don't know if I need to spend quite that much here in order to be lavishly generous See, the difference between being a Christian, a, a, a Christian is I take the name of Jesus. A Christ follower says, I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning how to follow Jesus in every way, including my generosity, in a culture that really doesn't reward that, but instead rewards the more status that we achieve because of the stuff that we have. And so now there, there's kind of a strange few verses tucked in there. Look at verses 22-23. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's kind of tempting to skip over that because it's almost like, oh, Jesus inserts or, you know, um, what happened? You know, Matthew, you know, his editing wasn't the best. What's that in there for? But it's there for a purpose because, you know, Scripture is perfect. And this is what this is about. Greed is one of the most stealth things in our world. See, I know when I have um, committed most sins, right? I know when I've committed adultery, right? I, I, I don't kind of afterwards go, oh, wait a minute, you're not my wife. Oh, how did that happen, right? That doesn't happen. I hope not, right? We know when we've lied. We know when we steal. We know if we were to kill someone, Right? But greed, greed is stealth. Greed takes us to slow down and ask, what are my eyes captivated by? What is being illumined? Right? What does a lamp do? A lamp illumines. A lamp helps us see what we couldn't see before. And what Jesus is really saying is the eyes are the lamp really of the affections of our heart. Whatever the affections of our heart, that's what our eyes will notice. And so we have to really dig down and ask, what are the affections of my heart? Has Jesus been supplanted from the throne of my heart? If so, my eyes are going to seek after all kinds of things to fill that void. But the more that Jesus is on the throne of my heart, which takes every day, all of us, I wrestle with this, all of us, Jesus, help me to have you on the throne of my heart. Help me to look through a biblical worldview. Help the affections of my heart to be shaped by my love, For you, may you be the greatest treasure of my heart. And this is difficult. And so what we really are praying is, God, would you show me? Give me eyes to see when I'm bowing down to the idol of money. God, help me to see if I'm discontent comparing myself to someone else. God, help me to see if I'm just following a culture of greed. Because here's the truth to kind of begin to wrap this up. Just when we make it to that next place, just when we make it in that big career move or advanced education, or we move into that neighborhood or we have more professional friends, that's as soon as our eyes will notice. Wait a minute. Some of them now who I'm hanging out with, some of them who I'm now working with, some of them who I live in the neighborhood now, some of them have bigger houses than me. Wait a minute. Uh, Some of the kids go to better school. Some of them have more professional clothing. Some of them have more glitzy gadgets than me. And so what do we do? We begin to arise to match that. And that puts us into the next kind of socioeconomic place. And then what happens? We begin to notice, wait a minute, and we spend all our lives doing that. And it's stealth. We don't even realize it because we're living the American dream that our culture and and, and, and advertisers are guiding us to want to experience but that's not the kingdom dream. The kingdom dream is that we'd be some of the most radically generous people on the face of the earth. So here's kind of a test for us of whether money has power over us. Do we envy wealthy people? On the other side of it, do we have disdain toward wealthy people? Do we look down on the poor? As if if, if we hadn't been born in some of their situations, like we wouldn't have some of the same challenges. I'm just gonna mention this and, and then wrap up. So I'm really proud of my parents because they, they grew up poor, so poor that one of my parents was um, constantly on the edge uh, of, of losing their home, okay? And my father worked hard from like junior high on. He worked for a nursery, he worked hard, he put himself through school, Then he was drafted because he'd gone to college first in, you know, family ever to go to college. He was an officer, came back, became an accountant. Great life. I'm proud of my father. But I also realized where they lived in Tacoma, Washington, if my father had been black or my father had been Latino or a myriad of other things, of ethnicities, I don't think he would have gotten that job in those days at that nursery. I don't think he would have gotten into the University of Puget Sound. He would not have been an officer in the military. Do we look down on people who are poor? as some kind of status? Rather than seeing people in the image of God. And finally, another sign of whether money has power over us is if we don't give sacrificially like Jesus. See, it... If we give excess, that's nice, but imagine if Jesus only gave excess. Imagine if Jesus said, my blood, hmm. You know, I'll give 10% of my blood for for 10% of people. That's bad news. What did Jesus do? He was the wealthiest person in human history. all the wealth of heaven, and he laid down himself. See, any time we sacrifice, it's kind of like fasting. I struggle fasting. For me, fasting is slowing, not fasting. Just, oh, okay. But the design for it is that we feel that pain. And it reminds us, oh yes, Jesus, this is a fraction of your pain for me. See, every time we disrupt our lives in any way obeying or being generous or sacrificing, it's just a hint. It's a godly moment. It's a hint of like, oh, now, now you're beginning to get just a hint of what Jesus sacrificed as he gave his whole life for us. So wrapping it up, why do we treasure Jesus? Why, why treasure Jesus? Why obey God sometimes when it's hard? Why have some delayed gratification? Now, idols do sometimes give us instant gratification. It's just that they don't deliver in the long term. Why would I, why would I have the number one thing on my finances be my, my tithe or whatever it is that God calls it? Why, why in the world would I do that? Because Jesus so treasured you. Jesus so treasured you that he sacrificed to become human and left behind the glory of heaven. We're looking forward to being transported to heaven. Jesus went the other way. Became one of us downwardly mobile. And then Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross because he so treasures you and me. One of my favorite hymns, top, top hundred hymns, is how deep the Father's love for us. Just hear the first stanza. I'll say it, I won't sing it for you, okay? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. Jesus treasures you and me and did whatever it took to bring us home. I pray Jesus will be the greatest treasure of our lives as a thank offering to the lover of our souls. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.